Hello and welcome to another episode of Cripple Stump. And uh, just before we begin, I just wanted to say for those of you who are waiting for the new episodes, we're trying to do them as regularly as we can. But you know, life happens and uh, we'll bring you new episodes whenever possible. So please be patient with us. Anyway, that said, uh, let's get on with the show and I'll throw it over to my guest for them to introduce themselves to you lovely people. So over to you. Okay. Hello, everybody. Um, My name's Al. It's A.K. McAllister. I'm a writer, performer, Mostly writer nowadays, um, based in Manchester, and yeah, experience-wise, done done quite a lot of performance, poetry gigs, music gigs, and theatre. So pretty much wrapped up. My writing has been pretty much wrapped up in performance mostly. So just to begin, just to begin, Alan, uh, yeah. could I ask you, like, what me, what was the very first bit of art you ever did. First bit of art I ever did. Well, I can remember. I would say I'll just I'll just very quickly go into my memory, and uh, I can remember. I'll say two things. Uh, once, one thing I can remember from um, very early on in junior school. Uh, not long after I'd come from, I was born in Glasgow, so I used to talk like this, uh, like that then when I was a wee boy. You know what I mean? And I went to school and. Uh, I can remember the, the art teacher asking us to do a project, which was, it was about, um, we were looking at films, and I can remember talking about horror films and different types of films, but this, this horror film thing stuck in my mind a little bit. I was probably about seven or eight, um, and I can remember doing this drawing in which, I can even remember it to this day, doing it in coloured pencils at school, and I had this picture where I had some like sort of, scene which was uh, like rocks a rocky uh, backdrop and then in front of it there was just a, a, sm- a small figure but then coming in from the top of the page was just the leg all you could see was the foreleg of some kind of animal like dragon dinosaur monster and it was just and that was it and um there was this question i remember the teacher asked me this question going well don't you want to draw the monster and i can remember saying no and i can remember that moment like thinking the teacher was like, well, expecting me to draw the monster. And uh, I think that was a moment when I realised when, when I did some art because it was, uh, it was about, thinking about it now, I can analyse it as an adult, you know, the power of suggestion was, was stronger than actually drawing, showing the whole thing. So I think I made an artistic decision. I think that's probably the first clear memory of that. All right. Do you, do you still have that picture? Oh no! Oh my God, no! About a million years ago, I'm ancient. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'd say that's one more though. One more example I'd like yeah. to. So, uh, in terms, this is more related to writing. This would have been when I was about eleven and going to secondary school, and I can remember clearly uh, having a writing project and I wrote a play. It was the first play I'd ever written, and it was on a train going from uh, Manchester to London. And the, there was three characters, you know, the old days of the 
like where, where you had like you see it in old films when there's a carriage and there's only a few people can get in that carriage one of those kind of trains and there were um, there was a, a nun a Manchester City football fan and a journalist a London journalist and I put them in this train together in this carriage together and wrote a play and w was that play ever performed not really performed we did read it out in class though yeah yeah and yeah. it was like it was great it was, it was i loved it. i loved hearing people right reading out what 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 i'd written it was a great feeling and it was and it was interesting because i think what i'd put together there was uh i wasn't brought up in any in strictly religious in any way myself but i did go to a catholic school in glasgow and uh I've always been pretty obsessed with football and obviously writing was the has become a bit a massive thing in my life so I think if you if you kind of look at the characters I've put in there that as an artist was me beginning to explore who I was uh, as a person and what I was about because there were three different points of view because I was I mean the hooliganism thing at football was massive at the time so I was going to do this guy as a hooligan and we'd done, we'd studied that in class as well. It'd been a thing that had been discussed in in the group, uh, and Catholicism uh, and journalism writing. I think that really was the first time, because at eleven years old, you're kind of more conscious about this that kind of stuff. I think that was the first time I actually produced, uh, yes, what I strictly call consciously a piece of art. You know, would would you say over the years you've changed? Uh, obviously, you've aged as we all do, but would you say you still have that childlike wonder, or do you think that dissipates over time, or what? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, in relation to art, um, especially in relation to art, I feel probably you, you, you probably have to have in order to keep doing it, there has to be a bit of wonder about the journey and the exploration um so i think i've still i think i've still got that i haven't always had it for projects of, of of kind of um that have happened actually in the real world uh sometimes they've not gone well or whatever for for whatever different reason and you've got to fail to uh, i'm not even want to say fail but it's not it, it's healthy you know that not everything just kind of works but you learn from it and you move forward and I think move, constantly moving forward is a really important mentality mentality to have yeah. as a creative person. You've got to you've got to keep moving forward, you know. And it's a psychological position as well. Jordan Peterson talking about it, you know, if you're not moving forward, you're going backwards because you can't stand still. Uh, but that wonder, that sense of that sense of wonder, uh, is still definitely there. I love it uh, when something. At the moment, I've been recording some. I've been. I've been taking my poetry and, and recording music to make them into what might become songs or spoken word over music or just, even just an instrumental. I'm not sure. I, the great thing is, the good thing is, I'm not, I'm not trying to close it all down before I start. Mm. So like the last, in the last week, I've got a couple of tracks there which I started just improvising with, and I love to improvise. And um, it's been exciting, and that sense of wonder has come back in a really good way um, because I haven't, nailed it down you know before and i think it's i think it's a bad habit it's a dangerous thing to try and nail everything down before you start work really there's a beauty 
there's a beautiful thing that emerges out of work. You know, I've said it to many when I've done a lot of teaching in the past, you know, and people have students maybe are saying they're stuck, they haven't got an idea, but they don't do anything. I said, look, you've got to do something. An idea will come from ideas, come from ideas, work comes from work. And it's a thing that's hard to understand when you're scared and feeling vulnerable and you can't get something going. But once you do understand it, that you take a leap based on no more than a hunch and your experience and eventually your experience and understanding that actually summer always comes. It always comes. So there's no such thing in my mind as what you might call a writer's block or no ideas. If you don't start something, you can stay where you are. You can be stuck. Mm. But the wonder for me, that, you, that the childhood kind of thing, still with that, is the fascination of what, what can come and, and the excitement of what can happen when you try. And how do you keep that fire burning, do you think? I just can't stop. Um, I can't stop making things. I have I have to be making things. So if I'm not making something, I can become uh, a darker kind of animal, you know, more depressed, yeah. more, more remote, more distant from the world. Um, it makes me feel unwell if I'm not making something. Yeah. Because that is, I regard that as my most positive uh, gift or contribution, whatever you want to call it. Uh, to to the world and to my existence so everybody benefits everybody around me benefits if i'm if i'm alive in a creative way yeah you know my own children family grandchildren you know they're going to get more out of me if i'm if i'm being creative than if i'm not so it's a need that for me shabazz it's not a choice yeah and and without kissing your ass too much I just wanted to say to you that oh, I've known you for years and years and and you do so many different projects to books, to uh, acting, to, you know, to teaching and to doing all sorts. So what what would you say? Uh, would you say you're, you're a writer first and foremost or would you say you're an actor or would you, would you say there's no distinction? In your mind, yeah, I, I don't think there's much distinction between it all. I mean, even I, even making a meal, I regard as a creative e- enterprise. You know, it's kind of if you're improvising when you're cooking, it, there's a process because I've tried loads of different things in different media yeah. and different areas, as opposed to someone who might have just stuck to one side, either just painting or just music or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think that's something I've learned, and I would say that. It's the, the process is pretty much the same yeah. across all media. You know, the, the, the creative process of having an idea and getting that to completion of some, of some kind, you know, the idea of completion, yeah, you know, obviously is, a, is, a, is an issue in itself, you know, but uh, you get it to a point where at least you're prepared to share it with the world. Let's put it like that. Yeah. Nothing's ever finished. You can always do, you can always be messing around with stuff. But you get to a point, I'd like to try and get to a point I regard as, am I happy to present this to you, yeah. you know, or, or anyone else in the world? Am I happy to present this to Shabazz and go, here's a play, here's a song, whatever. Yeah. Um, and so that, to reach that point, that, that journey is the same as like getting a meal ready. You know, you, like it tastes all right now. It needs a bit of salt. It's needed a bit of pepper. It's needed a bit of cayenne. 
just needed a bit whatever just to try and make it the way you want it and now I can give it to someone. And I, I regard all those things as the same. So I suppose generically I'd 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 group I'd say I'd call myself an artist. Uh, but primarily now at this moment in time because of well partly because of covid as well there's been no I've not been able to go out and jam with music or do gigs or whatever. So at the moment it's really very much for me it's come back to uh it's it's writing writing music and words is where I am at the moment but you know that could change again in a, in another 6 months or years time. Yeah. But I do feel as though part of the part of the thinking on this is like well uh I've kind of I suppose exploring all that stuff was necessary and I've learned that what certain things I wanted to learn from it. So maybe now I feel like, uh, again, and, and again, this is partly of getting, with getting older, that however much time I've got left now mm. is going to be used in the best way possible. So I haven't got the freedom. I feel as though it's a luxury now. If I was still messing around in loads of different projects and types of art and what have you, I feel as though I've done that for, to get to the point where I am now and now is the time, hopefully, I'll, I'll focus down and produce, you know, some good pieces of writing and some good pieces of music. Um, and that's really what I feel as I'm focusing on now. Yeah, and, and one thing that's always struck me about you, again, I probably haven't actually said this to you in person, but one thing that's always struck me about you is it's never been motivated by money. No. Or, or no. like, you know, <laughs> oh, you know God. trying to change. You've, You've hit on a raw nerve here, fast. <laughs> Go on. Why, why have you done that? Well, in some ways, uh, maybe I feel as though I've kind of let people down by not monetizing my... Uh, what would you mean in terms of your family or? Yeah, because they, if I've not got loads of money, they haven't got loads of money, have they? And it's a thing. Um, I mean, my, you know, it's not about them needing it. It's not about them asking or wanting or needing anything. Um, it's about what I, it's about a responsibility. About you as a provider. It's that, yeah, yeah. And not doing that well enough, you know. Well, isn't that like an old patriarchal view, though? Yeah. I but a bit of me is that, a bit of me still, still, that's the world I come from, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I've, we, had to chip, I've had to sort of chip away at that throughout my life. Could we? And I agree, that is, that is an old patriarchal view, but um, is it not, is it completely redundant now, do you think? No, but could we explore that further? I mean... That is something I come across all the time, and like, is it? and and if you're not like as an artist, if you're not, if you're not producing uh, wealth, you're not doing your job correctly. Mm. There's a certain section of the art world that is like that, and I'm not talking yeah. about painting or anything. I'm talking about film, TV, or writing or anything. You know, it's like. If you do say you're an artist, you'd be like, well, what have you done? You know? Yeah, yeah. When they say, what have you done? They mean, what have you, what have you got paid for? Yes. 
You know, if you just say, oh, oh, I live my life as that, they go, that is a better fucking build. Yeah, yeah. You've got a luxury of doing that, they're going to say, that, that's the, that's the thing I always come up against, and it's like, and it's so annoying, and, and, uh, and so when you said that, I identify with that feeling, but I'm saying that to you, because I would like to say, to say that to certain people, and I can't say that, so I'm saying it to you, that that's, that's essentially an old patriarchal view. I'm not saying you're not entitled to have that view. I'm just saying it's not fair for you to feel that pressure and that burden, you know? Well, you, you know, you, there are still, whatever we say about, and however we view that position as being old-fashioned and patriarchal, which I agree it is. Um, but for a start, you know, it's more of a it's more of an expectation from a male than a female, for example. Yeah. You know, it's kind of, it's out of touch, it's out of date, and I totally agree with all of that. Uh, I think what we what we're moving towards in 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 the position I'm talking about is my responsibility to my to mine kind of thing, and um, the idea of uh, there's um, you know this idea that it's not you're not a successful artist unless you you're famous and you're getting paid. You know this is it's a completely crazy notion that some some members of the public or, or people seem to have, you know, yeah. when you look at any, you look at the world of acting and every single day, 99.9% .9 of actors are unemployed, yeah. you know, and not famous, but still doing, still making art, you know, the same with painters, the same with musicians, yeah. you know, in many ways, the music world's gone, gone to a, an even worse kind of place mm. where uh, musicians are providing and producing so much work putting it out there and then big, big organizations are giving them like 0.07 pence for every time the track gets paid. And you know what I mean? Yeah. It's been totally hijacked. But so like, it's not only, it's not only that you're not making money, it's that they're, they're bloody taking most of it from you as well. You know? Yeah. But without advertising Spotify, for example, would you put one of your tracks on Spotify? Well, I would put, I would put my track. I haven't got anything on Spotify. No, but would you reason. put it? Um, I probably wouldn't. Um, I don't know. Um, if I was in a position where uh, it's not really, a, it's not really a moral, it's not really a moral thing to me now because I have a real. This is well. This is an extension of the complications you're talking about as well. Where as an artist, do you go? You, you know, every time you go into um, a supermarket and buy a loaf, you know, a branded loaf from a branded supermarket from a from a global company who own, you know, most of the supermarkets in the Western world or whatever, you're engaging with capitalism, aren't you? You're engaging with that kind of relationship. Yeah. Um, it's very difficult to actually get anything across to anyone, any number of people, that is, without engaging with it. It's almost impossible. Mm. Without engaging with it to some degree. Yeah. So I think I'd probably be I'd probably be more accepting now than I would have been 20 years ago, you know, during, or even more so than, uh, you know, sort of uh, when I was a sort of uh, when I first got in a band when I was a teenager or whatever, you know, and much yeah. more political sort of uh, world and punk rock and all that and all that kind of, uh, you know, 
smash the system, bring the record companies down, bring the, you know, you've got, you, you, we are at a point now where we are more and more, uh, our, our intake, our artistic sort of uh, enterprises and listening and watching and enjoyment is so much more controlled by, by, by so few people. And that's always been true, hasn't it, in the art world when you look at gallery owners over the years. Yeah. Someone like, I always come back to Vincent van Gogh as the prime example of uh, someone who was doing unbelievably beautiful work, amazing paintings, you know, and living that life and, and his own health, when his mental health, when his physical health, everything, he struggled with everything but kept making art and was impoverished till the day he died. And now you've got like paintings we're selling for like, $30 million, whatever yeah. it was, you know. I find it heartbreaking. It actually really upsets me, that kind of story. Yeah, but going back to your family, right, for example, yeah. and you what you just said at the start of this conversation, you were like, uh, I need to make art from, for me to be happy, for example. Yeah. Now, let, let's just uh, imagine for a second you were making art, but it wasn't making you happy. But it was paying the bills, mm. you know, um, and it would probably give giving your kids a few little extras here and there, you know. But what what kind of trade off is that, you know? Yeah, yeah. This is this is why I've always done it a different way. This is why I've always had a day job, yeah, and made out separately. Yeah, that's why the only the only the closest I've come to making. So making it a job like that is probably some of the teaching contracts and stuff, you know, and um, where you're, you're not really fully doing that because you, your job is teaching, but yeah. you're sort of getting paid and being involved in doing things that, that you kind of, that are your art as well. Yeah. Um, but I've always, this is why I've always kept them separate. This is, I've, I've, it's a kind of deliberate, deliberate thing so that I'm free. Yeah. But it's it, an important feeling. It's an important feeling, I think, for anyone. If you are going to, for whatever reason, you know, for whatever reason you 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 want to or need to uh, be creative and make art, and lots of people, I'm not the only one. There's millions of people for whom that's more than just a want. There's millions of millions of people for whom it's a need. Yeah. It's well documented and it's well researched and whatever you know. And um, when you have that then I decided, right, okay, unless something, some quirky sort of accident comes along where my path happens to cross with uh, my art happens to hit something, mm. hit a time in history where someone says, oh, yeah, we want to pay you loads of money for that. It's probably not going to happen. I guess I'm probably not going to take a job where yeah. I'm, if I feel like I'm compromising my art every day, mm. I think, well, I might as well just drive a car around all the time. Yeah, but it, it, it's just, uh, it's interesting when you say it, it hits a raw nerve, you know. It's like, it, you know, people, you know, say that like in passing, but like, like I was saying, you don't know what's going on in somebody's head. And, you know, and maybe it's something that really bothers you. I don't know, you know. and uh, yeah. Yeah, it's not that. Um, it's not something that that really bothers me on a daily basis. I mean, I, I've, I've kind of gone through that that yeah. journey, you know, and made the decision that I'll make art. And then if someone like I've sent a couple of pieces off recently to uh, 
literary agents, for example. I've yeah. hardly ever done that in my life, you know, but yeah. uh, making moves, you know, making more of a move to engage with that community and that world yeah. is something I've started doing. But I haven't done it in the way that they're asking me to do. I'm I'm sending them stuff I've done, you know what I mean? And yeah. do you like this? So I'm not, there's no compromise on, yeah, because on my part. I'm, and, I, and I'm not, and, and, and I don't believe, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like anyone listening to this to think I'm viewing compromise as, as, as a, a dirty word or as someone's, you know, you know, what, you know, sold out and all these terms and what have you. People have to live. You know what I mean? It comes down to that. It comes down to whether you're prepared to, uh, you know, you look at some artists throughout history and they've sacrificed everything. Mm. So they've sacrificed everything, but they've made art. Um, but they've been impoverished, they've been ill, all this, you know, and this depends on whether you're willing to make that kind of choice or not, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, it's a difficult one. It's a complex one because, um, again, you know, I mean, I, I know I listened to a thing the other night. Uh, I'm not, I'm not been a big follower of Jordan Peterson. I'm not either, but I've actually through recommendations people have been listening to some of these things. He does a whole speech on that about, uh, if you're trying to monetize your art, you better be careful because it's going to be difficult. It's going to be bloody difficult. You know, and he's like, if you're going to be an artist, you know, you've got to think about how you're going to survive. You're probably going to need a day job. It's got to that point where people just say that, <laughs> yeah. that you're not going to make money. That's yeah. what people, that's how it is. So, so because I was wondering, like, what, what but I would say is that kind of idealistic, you know? Is me saying it's old fashioned? Is that me? Is that me doing wishful thinking? Is that it's a, it's the, a little bit? It's a little bit of idealistic thing. It's a little bit of uh, it, it's a little bit of um, uh, if you don't need, you know, it's a it's a bit. It could it could be. Could be it could be just a kind of case of um it's how much you need isn't it yeah and and it's uh, it's maybe it's maybe it's a bit naive but on my part but I'm just saying that's my instinct I'm, I'm not saying reality doesn't collide with that I'm just saying yeah. ide ideally that's what I would like like to see you know not yeah not, I, I mean, I'd love it. I would, I would absolutely love it if, um, you know, a book of a, a book have got out there, Color Quest, which is fantastical adventure storytelling. I've always, always with that with that piece of writing and with that piece of art, I never ever, I never worked without the idea um, and the drive of that becoming a film at some point. Yeah, I was going to move on to that, but. Uh... Did you ever get to go into schools with that? Not with that. No, not yet. Um, I haven't. I haven't motivated very much for the last couple of years on that. Um, I've got. I've, I've got an idea though. Um, I've got an idea that another engagement with the modern, with the modern way, you know, is uh, is YouTube. So I've come up with an. I've come up with some some little plans and. And, and 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 ideas to put it forward um, using social media and try and build it that way because and this is partly based on the the reality that theatre doing doing an actual theatre show is so much work and unless anyone's been through it they've got no idea 
you've got no idea how much work goes into it, how much time from people, organization of, of people getting there to rehearse and everything, and then getting the venue sorted and all of that stuff. And, and then normally most shows, they might only tour for a couple of months or whatever, you know, and, and that's it. And all this work has gone into it. So I'm actually thinking, I actually think that the advent of YouTube is a brilliant thing for this, where filmmakers, uh, performance makers, you know, spoken word artists, people like yourself making films, they, they, you can just get stuff out there and reach and possibly reach a massive audience really quickly. And then not only that, if people do start following your story and coming along with you, um, then you can't, that can be monetized massively now, can't it? Yeah, but you've got a platform such as Twitch and stuff like that. Now, when people sit there and do all kinds of things and you get donations and stuff, but it feels a bit exploitative to me. It feels like, it? you know, you, you do this and I'll give you $20 or 20 quid to do this or ah, that. You know? So you'd be worried about them controlling what you do? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, well, becoming like a, like a, like a, a jumping jack or a trickster, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even entertain that. Yeah, <laughs> I would. So then I'd tell him where to go immediately. You know. Yeah, yeah. Because you got to be honest, man. You do it for your, you know, artists. You do out for you first, primarily. Yeah, yeah. You do it for you. You know, most uh, of us agree with that. Most of us understand that. I know. Make out. To... Go on. I wanted to ask you something. Else. Can we talk a bit about uh, class and acting? Like, uh, becoming, be, you, I don't think you might be saying that you're a working class guy. And, no, I'm proud of that. And how, how would you think a working class guy from Glasgow was, what it was like for him going to drama school? Yeah, well, I, I didn't go to drama school, Shabazz. I didn't. Um, I auditioned for a couple. Oh, I auditioned yeah. for one. I only auditioned for one actually, and that was because it was in Manchester. Because I wasn't going to leave Manchester. I already had. Um, I did everything very late in my life. This is the this is the thing with me. People say if, if people hear that they'll think, oh, you're you're eighteen, nineteen, twenty, just finish your A levels and you go to a, a drama audition. I didn't. I left school at sixteen. I was working on building sites and uh, uh, I worked in a record shop. Uh, pretty famous record shop in Manchester at the, at the time, and uh, I had a load of different jobs. Um, I didn't even do my A levels until I was nearly thirty years old, and I did them at evening class while I was still working and what have you. And I went to uni and uh, I auditioned then at what was Manchester Met Acting School, yeah. and uh, I got to the second sort of level, second auditions, and then they didn't accept me at the time. Um, and I went to Manchester Uni and studied drama. But I was 30 years old, you know, so my, my, my approach to all of that, I was, already, I was already aware of a lot of, a lot of stuff, a lot of shit that's going on with the, especially in theatre. I mean, we look at um, the, top, the top actors who were going to get the same work, who were going to get the same actors getting the work over and over again, Benedict Cumberbatch, etc. They're not, they're not working class kids, are they? They're all rich kids, you know, many of whom went to the same little drama college and what have you. And uh, it's a very, very 
it's a very uh, um, frustrating and annoying circumstance for me in terms of theatre. I actually feel really strongly. And, I, you know, if I had the time, I'd be getting involved in it more myself. But I really strongly feel it's time for, you know, a working class um, reappropriation of our art and uh, more and more working class theatres working class galleries, working class uh, writers clubs, painters clubs. I'm a massive supporter of all of that. What, what, would, you, what would you think to the idea? I'm just thinking off the top of my head here. What would you think to the idea of having a working class drama school run by working class people? Absolutely, yeah. And there's, I don't know if you know, are you familiar with Joan Littlewood? I think so, yeah. She did it back in, back in the sixties in London, in East in East London. You know, she uh, set up a thing called Theatre Workshop. Yeah. Um, and she was a pretty she was she was pretty politically motivated, and uh, I, based on the kind of things we're talking about, the elitism in theatre. So she built a she built a group. You know, um, got a theatre and built a group, which was very much made up of uh, working class. Um, Actors and writers. In fact, uh, something cropped up the other day that I, that I never. Do you know? Um, do you know on the buses? Yeah. You know the television program on the buses. Yeah, I'm sure it'd be age there, but yeah. <laughs> well, it's back on again now, isn't it? Anyway, but, is it? Yeah, it's showing on some crazy bloody mad channel. Uh, okay, on, now on anyway, yeah, it's been on again. <laughs> oh, Butler, I'll get you, Butler. <laughs> Right, well, the guy who plays uh, Blakey, you know, the inspector? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know anything about him, and I did. There was something came up. Uh, while his name cropped up in some theatre history I was looking at. Yeah. And it was to do with this. He was one of the actors and writers that was at Theatre Workshop with Joan Littlewood. Oh, He's right. like a lifelong, so, yeah, lifelong socialist, activist, um, art worker, you know, and it's amazing how these... These people now and then, and you go like, well, that's not, he's only known for on the buses, really. Mm. Uh, but he was a playwright. He was an actor. Uh, again, working with that thought in mind, let's make working class art for working class people. You know? Well, yeah. not just for working class people. Working class art for everybody. Yeah. Because, you know, some people listening to this will be thinking, oh, they're getting a bit classist. But, yeah. you know, maybe we are, but... Uh, it yeah. just put me in mind of like politicians coming from a small group of schools and universities, and I feel like it's the same with acting and other forms of art. So I'm just worried about art, you know, acting <clears throat> becoming like that as well. You know? Yeah. Well, it's already this is our history, though, isn't it? It's an elitist yeah. history. Yeah. That is our history. Yeah, I was going to say There's, there aren't many there aren't many points in history you can look at uh, where you know theatre has been you know apart from its original inceptions with touring actors and what have you going around to towns and pub squares and what have you and setting up and just doing mm. you know the main the main thrust of look at look at the West End you know look yeah. look at the West End of London. There are theatres that are doing little bits of experimental work and what have you. That is that does exist there, but the main bulk of it, you know, is big money West End shows. Yeah. 
Yeah. Look at art. You know, who who who's going to be famous unless they're exhibited in the Tate or whatever? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's that is the way it is. And so I think what I'm well, talking about in our discussion now is is not classism. It's a it's a rebalancing and it's a, it's it's a look at change. You know, it's not yeah. about. I don't. I've got nothing against the fact that someone might be posh. You know, someone might have been born in a into a wealthy posh environment and they become an artist. Well, that good for you. You know, um, absolutely nothing like that's not my position. My position is like, well, it doesn't have to be this way. But the only way that's going to change by by somebody doing something. Yeah. My position is it should just be open to everybody. And I tell you what, I don't know whether it's my age or what. But uh, I'm, and uh, and it's not bitterness, but I just come up against this this phrase all the time. That's just the way it is, and I'm like, yeah. why the fuck eh, do people just get away with saying that? You know, we design the world we live in. You know, yeah. and yeah. like I know it's the way it is, but what all I'm saying it shouldn't be like that, and we should at the very least be able to say that, you know, rather than absolutely just that, oh, that's just the way it is, but that's that's a form of acceptance in and of itself, isn't it? It's like, oh... It's a passive, can, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a very passive, it's a very passive statement, isn't it? Yeah, it's like, yeah, you can do, the elites can do whatever they like to me because I, I've just accepted that that's how the world is. Yeah, it's really passive. Um, I mean, this is why... In many ways, I've always kept my art separate from my day jobs, you know, because yeah. I, I don't have to. I don't have to go through all this. Then, do you know what I mean? It's kind of yeah. I'll make some. If someone likes it, if I send a play to a theater and they yeah. put it on, absolutely fantastic. Absolutely love that. Brilliant. If I send a song and and someone plays it, you know, on their radio show or whatever, yeah. fantastic. But I'm not. I'm personally, I'm not compromised by any of that. I'm that because yeah. I just do it the other way. You know, I just go, well, here's my stuff. Yeah, I I apologize if I'm if I'm uh, picking out some wounds that, but I just like to have a conversation, you know. You know? No, it's okay. Uh, it's good that we don't get enough. Uh, most of us, if you're involved in art making, you you don't really get a chance to talk about it very much. So it's quite nice, actually. You know, yeah, you, and you're just busy doing it. <laughs> I would just like to give you the opportunity. Is there any art you would like to share with us? Oh, um, I don't know if you want to. I could read you a little bit of stuff if you like. Uh, yeah, if you don't mind. I've been, I've been, uh, over the last probably started. Um, it's taxi writing. It's writing I've done inspired by, or not necessarily always inspired by, just being in the, my job as a taxi driver. You know, and driving around the streets and what I might see, who I might meet, who might be in the car. It's inspired by art. The whole world of it, you know, and. Uh, and uh, I've been producing a few pieces of writing. So I'll read a couple of pieces, if that's all right with yeah, you. Yeah, if, if you don't mind. Yeah, okay. Um, let's start with... This is a little, just a little short piece I came up with uh, during COVID, during the lockdown. It's a piece inspired by lockdown. No hairdressers' cuts and blows, or barbers keen and hungry clippers. No swimming pools for early morning pre-work dippers. No Greg's breakfast deals or Chinese chippy evening meals. No drive-throughs or walk-ins 
staying ins or taking aways. No pints at the bar with a head of frothy foam. For a while we eat and drink at home. For a while, cheers. We're all together, all alone. Wow, thank you. <laughs> well, what do you think you've been drinking? You're drinking at home again. <laughs> I'm not going into my drinking habits, Shabazz. That's not, that's going to destroy the whole nation. <laughs> no, but, you know, they are just sitting at home. <laughs> you know? That, <laughs> no, gonna... I haven't. Do you know what? I don't know about... I've gone the other way during lockdown. I've not. I've hardly drunk at all because it became like a, an unenjoyable enterprise without being yeah. able to go out yeah. with, to you, meet people. You like the whole sociable aspect of it, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. That's... I love that, you know what I mean? I know you do, yeah. And uh, the, the, the sitting, having, you know, being stuck in, it wasn't, I didn't think that was enjoyable, really. No. And uh, um, have you got another piece? Or? I've got, well, I've got quite a few, but I don't want to, I don't know if this is, you know. Go on, do, I'll, us, I'll just, do us two more. I'll just do a couple of shortish ones, yeah? Okay. So this is one where um, I was driving a, a young woman who was, uh, as it turns out, she was a doctor. But I'm I've reached that point now that that cliched kind of thing about aging where everybody looks really young, the police, the doctors, and everything. So uh, I hadn't really assumed that she was a doctor, but uh, you know I was driving her from uh, Salford. Uh, she got in the car over at Salford Way. Um, so we were having a bit of a conversation, but this is in the heart of lockdown, you know, and so the conversation was something like, how long do you think this will go on then? Well, at least two months more of this. Yeah, I think so, at least, I said. Of this shit, she said. <laughs> Living like this is shit. Yes, it is shit, I said. She smiled. I carried on. It's the shittest piece of shit from the shittest planet in shit universe. There's never been such a piece of shit. Every dollop of it is imbued with layer upon layer of shitty shit from the shittiest shit planet you could ever imagine. It's the shit that comes from the shit. It's the shit shitting itself to shit. Shit. And, uh, you know, she just sort of burst out laughing, which was, you know, she was, you know, when people are laughing, but almost crying. Yeah. She was exhausted from these shifts she was doing and what have you. And it was a yeah. moment that made me really, really consider what the reality was, you know. God, that poem reeks of reeks of reality, doesn't it? That poem. Yeah, yeah. Because I really felt, I, I really felt her um, her pain, exhaustion. yeah, her exhaustion. You know, she she the, she'd been going out and doing like loads of extra shifts and everything. The conversation because we had a conversation after that, you know, and. You know, she's doing more hours than ever. She's covering other people's shit, all this stuff. And I just got her exhaustion. Yeah. But we had we made some kind of, we had a, a humorous moment out of it, you know. And I think that was just a release for her. Yeah. Like, just the shit is shit, 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 show you can ever, you can ever imagine, you know. Uh, that was one little conversation. Um, you, I'll, I'll, do, I'll do another one. Have you got one, one more? One more, yeah, I'll do one more. Uh, this is more just, uh, I was in Gorton, I used to live in Gorton, so I've got a lot of memories of Gorton as, when I was a kid. Uh, terrace streets and back entries in summer always take me back to Gorton as a kid. They really shouldn't be this empty. 
they're at their best when people, couple of mums talking, an old deer in a chair outside a spotless donkey stone step, kids playing football, Kirby, kids skipping, teens flirting, and dad in a string vest smoking. These are the roots of these terrace streets. The cobbles and Victorian style lights on this one make it look like it's been redesigned for a museum of modern lives. Yeah. Wow. They're all pretty good, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm always I'm always happy if anyone says anything good about my work. And uh, one, one question that springs to mind immediately, uh, one eyes to another, how has the pandemic affected your art in terms of um, what you're actually writing and performing, do you think? Yeah, uh, well, I've written quite a lot. I've written loads specifically about working during the pandemic. Um, yeah. That's that's kind of part part journal, part journalism, really, and part poetry, because um, I've been inspired by it, and I've been working during it. So I haven't been one of you know, fortunately for me, I didn't have to lock in doors all the time. Yeah. Um, so because I've been able to go out and work and be around and still meeting people and having conversations with key workers, you know, most of the people I met were key workers. They were people who had to be out there and they all had a story. So I have to say, artistically, it's been inspirational. Socially, absolutely shit. <laughs> but artistically it's been quite uh, inspiring quite fruitful man for me yeah because I've because I've been out in it yeah I don't think it would have been I don't think it would have been if I had to stay in Chab. no I, ju I just think that's interesting and another question that pops into my head is like with you driving around and, and you have been doing for a number of years now have you yeah. have you seen the city around you changing yet again rapidly or not oh my days well that last piece I just read about Gorton yeah and the last line of it it actually describes Gorton as like a museum for modern what I'm getting at there is these places are now becoming like museums in modern Manchester you know yeah. living museums um, yeah uh, the changes are astronomical uh, around the city centre especially yeah. um, the changes in buildings and the changes in people. Mm. The, we talked we talk briefly about uh, having, a, having a beer and, uh, you know, I have been known to socialise around the Northern Quarter from time to time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it has been known. And some of the pubs, I, you, you know, are still frequent, still going around there. They're, they're the oldest sort, sort of pubs, you know, the Crown. Crown and Kettle on the corner of Great Ancoat Street and Oldham Street there. Gulliver's, you know, these pubs have been there for many years. Um, so just to say, for people around the world, this is yeah. in Manchester, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Okay, carry on. This is Northern Quarter, Manchester. Yeah. And uh, those pubs, have been, and I've been going in some of them for many years as well, so I know the staff and I know the man, and I've known a few managers and staff that have changed from those places. Over the years, uh, and the clientele now, you know, when I'm when I go out, there's still a few of us around. Um, 
who you'd say are locals to that area who live around there or have lived around there, grown up around there, whatever. Um, there's still a few people around, but most of the most of the old places have, have, have gone and, and the new flats have emerged and with it a new tribe of people. Uh, I mean, I've, I've, I call them the new Mancunians. I think I'm quite a generous person. I don't like to be mean about anyone or anything. And I certainly don't think you've got any right to sort of take a, to give yourself an advantage because just because you sort of lived in Manchester for longer or whatever. But uh, I, I call them the new Mancunians. It's young professionals, your piece, if you you know, young professional types who are moving to Manchester now and, and getting into these city centre flats and jobs in uh, IT and jobs in finance, um, spinning fields has emerged, all that kind of stuff. It's completely alien to me, most of that world, in terms of my experience, how, how the Manchester I grew up in, the Manchester I've known in the past, it's new. It's all brand new. Yeah. Um, but I'm not kind of, I'm not a person who feels as though I should be stuck in the past or be snooty about it. You know, they're here to make a living. We're all here trying to make a living. We're all here trying to get by, trying to make lives for ourselves. Uh, but the changes, yeah, they're massive. And uh, culturally, culturally it's shifted. Um, you know, we are moving away from uh, some of those more old-fashioned notions that we talked about, uh, you know, near the beginning of this, you know, the... The Manchester I grew up in, say like going into Gulliver's in those days, is full of the market traders from Smithfield Market. It was rough and tumble. It was rough and ready. It was rough humour. It was rough people, and I, and I loved it. I mean, it was such a great environment, humorous and, and wild, you know, and, and, and aggressive and violent as well at times, but really, really vibrantly alive. Uh, if anything, I'd say I find it a bit more boring now. Yeah, there's a lot of people being really sensible, having half a, having half of a, a traditional ale whilst doing their knitting in the knitting club. You know, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I you, feel as though it's become more, more, uh, yeah, almost, would, almost more boring. Would you say that's gentrification, gentrification in general? Or would you say that's a result of the pandemic or both? Or no, what? I think that's no, I think that's. Definitely gentrification in general. I mean, I don't know. I didn't spend years in London, but I've been down there enough to see the changes in Homerton and Hackney and all that stuff and uh, Brixton. Yeah. And going to Brixton in, in the late 70s and early 80s, I mean, that's when the riots were happening as well, so it was a particularly bad time. But um, going to Brixton in those days and going now, and you're going in, you wouldn't have walked into Brixton Market and found a little, oh, here's a little Brazilian specialist Brazilian cake maker, you know, cake maker shop. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and you like all these little dainty little things. And yeah, uh, I think it's gentrification in general. Uh, and how do you think COVID will uh, change the landscape of the city? Not very much, eventually. Do, do you not I think, think so? I really don't, no, because... Uh, we're going to have a while now. I've been thinking about this because I put on some performance nights and even something simple, when you think about it from uh, an organiser's point of view of putting a night on, if it was a night, for example, like an improvisation night I'm running and people share microphones, you know, you have the same microphone shared by people is what I mean. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, you can't do that. Do you know what I mean? You go, no, no, you're, you're going to have to bring your own mic, yeah. really, at the moment. So practical things like that and how many people are going to be able to fit in for a while. But I don't know about you, but I feel as though we are reaching the end of this. I might be wrong and it's down. I've put it on. I've recorded it. I've put it, <laughs> I've put it out there now. Uh, people can uh, shoot me down. But if we're still like this in 10 years, yeah, you said it'd all be over, you know. Um, yeah. Not necessarily all be over, but I think we'll be managing to get back to the city moving in the way it needs to. Yeah. Pretty soon. This is why I don't want to make any wild predictions. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I just hope you're right. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's optimistic thinking, I know. Yeah, yeah, but optimism is what life's built on, right? Yeah, we need it. We, there's, there's something you need. I mean, I think we. Sorry, go on. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on it? How long do you think? You know what? What? What are you? Ah, you're your trying to get me into prediction territory now. <laughs> I'm not. I'm saying. I'm asked uh, generally. Do you think it's going to go on like this for? Loads of years, or uh, I think it will be going on for at least another year. Yeah, right. Well, I'd, you know, you I'd know, agree with up, that anyway. Up and down, you know. I'm not saying I'm saying it will be gone. I'm saying I'm hoping it'll be completely gone within a year. Yeah, but uh, I tell you one thing though right, about the COVID, the impact of COVID on the on the art world as well. There's yeah. going to be like this massive wave in there of COVID stuff. You know, COVID rock, post COVID rock. Post COVID painting, post COVID literature. Yeah, we're but, gonna get a. But don't like you think people get sick of it? Yeah, of course. People will be sick of it already. It'd be oversaturated, won't it? Yeah, because everybody's loads of people are going to be uh, writing and making songs about it now, aren't they? Yeah. And then that's all going to come out and be this wave of it. And that's why I, I said to myself, I'm just going to do a podcast and. And talk about it on a like a, a weekly basis, or or just talk about shit. What's gonna happen? And then I'm yeah. not, now is that just writing about something as we've just come out of it? You know, it's like because I just yeah. think everybody's gonna be doing that. Yeah, because we need to. We, you know, you have to respond in your as an artist. You have to respond, don't you? Yeah. I mean, I've done I've done loads of that, so I've already got it out of the system because I've been writing all the way through it. About it, yeah. So I, I've already got my my stuff out. What I need, I'm just at the stage now where I have to edit, but I've got a load of stuff written, and that's got it out of my system. Yeah. And this is another thing. There, here we talk about you know the catharsis of art. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's already from. I, I have conversations with people who are only just coming back out. They've been furloughed for a year or nearly eighteen months or whatever. And, they're nervous and they're scared. Even yeah. now, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm, and I sometimes feel, I don't know, am I being a bit cocky now? Am I being overconfident? Yeah. Because I've got used to it. I've been out all the time. Yeah. So I've just got used to it. Mm. And would you like to say anything in closing? In closing. Uh, thanks for uh, inviting me on and thanks for doing it it's been really nice to uh, to be able to have a chat with you about all this stuff and uh, um, very and it was and, and, I listen, and I've listened to you know your last one with Clive as well so I'll be listening to a few more I'll be catching up on some of your stuff now 
Um, I've, well, I've never really been involved in the podcast world, so it's pretty good. It's, Thank you. It's just a radio show, essentially. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. Maybe, um, maybe we can do, maybe we can, you know, uh, shoehorn. I'd like to do something like this where there's a bit more actual stuff, create, you know, artwork happening, you know, a bit of writing or yeah, yeah, poetry or, you like, know, that would be quite nice. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'll just say for the record, thank you to you, Alan. You're welcome. Um, You're welcome. Thanks, boss. I love you as always. Um, yeah, as always, brother. I love you too. Take care of yourself. Take care. Man. Bye. All right.